thank you, Lord, that that is so very true. That you promise nothing will ever separate us from your love. Life can't, death can't, angels can't, demons can't. Nothing in all creation can separate us from your love. You'll never let us go. So together, as the first Sunday of 2020, we give you thanks and we give you praise. Will you join me, please, in praying the prayer Jesus taught his brothers and sisters and friends? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screens. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. On this first Sunday of the new year, as is our custom, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're also going to continue this idea of uh, flourishing in exile. And I wonder if I could have, please, um, they have this, the uh, slide number two, which is also your bulletin insert. And I want to remind you where we are going uh, in 2019, 2020, 2021. This is what we're trying to do together for very clear purposes. So around the outside edge, you see the words flourishing in exile. And they reflect an idea that Christendom is now over, post-Christendom, and it's a new time and season. And the values, the ideas, the general idea, uh, concepts that were part of culture for many, many decades, perhaps centuries, are moved to the sides. And all kinds of new things are, are being uh, accepted and created. And so the church finds herself in a unique place. So I've been trying to suggest that we have an opportunity to flourish on the margins. Now, what we're trying to do as staff for these next three years, or two, two full years, is around those four words. Those are our values for the next two years. Intimacy. We'd like to try all our classes and groups and what we're doing is to just invite all of us to understand what it is to have an intimate relationship with the living God, which we define as created for deep connections with the living God. We talk about identity. We know who we are and whose we are. Belonging, we're part of a body of Christ, a movement in the kingdom of God, and you're, you're part of it, and you're needed. And finally, purpose, that there's a reason that we're here, and there are kingdom things we can live out and live for. In the middle, you have word and spirit, and since 2002, we've been trying to live in this balance of being a word and spirit people. And then there's a bullseye in the very center, and this is the purpose of Third Church, established about 17 years ago. It goes like this, the people who experience us will receive from us the fruit of the Spirit. People who have a growing intimacy with the triune God and who are growing in ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. So that is what we're aiming for as a congregation from 2019, 2020, 2021. So in a whole variety of ways, we're going to try to do that. Now in that light, slide three, please. This is what from now, Lord willing, until the end of July looks like. So for the next several weeks, about seven, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. We move into the season of Lent, starting on Ash Wednesday, February 26th, and we go to Easter Sunday, April 12th, to the cross and the resurrection. And then in April 19th to May 24th, we're going to look about intimacy with the triune God, and we're going to focus specifically on the book of John, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. 
And then we'll move to generosity, ever-increasing sacrificial generosity. And then we're going to try to summarize it and apply. So what does it mean to be a people who are flourishing? That's what we're going to try to do together. So here's my sentence for the next seven Sundays. It's simply this. And I'll try to unpack it over the coming weeks. I'm inviting us to develop a cultivated life while living in the circus of distractions. Got two metaphors going there. One is agricultural. And if you read so much of what we're going to see about fruit, it carries an agricultural motif. And soil has to be prepared, and soil must be tilled, and, and things have to be done so that something can grow. But the context, as we flourish in exile, is a circus of distractions. I told you this uh, a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if it's true, but John Mark Comer's latest book says that the average person today in America, quote-unquote, looks at his or her phone 2,614 times a day. Now, I don't know if that's true, but it's probably a lot. And whatever the number is for you and however we live, is it fair to say there is a circus of distractions? So in light of all the distractions, we're invited to develop a cultivated life. And that's what I'm going to focus on in the fruit of the Spirit. So the key verse is chapter 5, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, I'm going to take you back to the first phrase. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The earliest manuscripts that we have have a stop after the word love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and then what follows? So what I'm poking at here is that love is the key to the fruit of the Spirit. So it comes back to I think it's identity statements, uh, intimacy, identity, belonging, and purpose. What does it mean to be a people who love? And so the word for love, remember there are four Greek words for love. The word that Jesus is using here, in, in, we're going to see in John 4, uh, 15, John 13, is agapao. It is to will the good of another. For God so loved the world on the cross. The will, our good. So the fruit of the Spirit is all the thing. Now, I want to, I want to, so I, I, need, I asked Mike for some extra time today because I, I need you to be with me because I got to really push deep. Please hear this now. The fruit of the Spirit is not things we do. And the fruit of the Spirit is not um, things we just long for. The, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Jesus living out of us. So we don't become loving. We don't become joyful. Because think about it. In Tim Keller's commentary in the book of Galatians, some people are more loving than others. Some people are more kind than others. Some are more patient than others. That's not what the passage is talking about. We can have human proclivities, bents, and talents. This is supernatural. So here's my sentence to describe this. Word filling and spirit filling are required for fruit bearing. Let me say this again. Those things will not happen. They cannot happen 
I will show you from John 15. Unless you are being filled with the words of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, which forms the character of Jesus from which these emerge. These are not things we produce. These are not, th so just for fun, but what I've been finding myself as I grow older, I need to find different ways to, to be embedded with word and spirit. So this is just me and this is just a random idea. But on Friday nights, I TiVo and I watch a Jewish synagogue worship. And the reason I do is I'm trying to remember the Hebrew words I learned 40 years ago in seminary. Because the Hebrew words I memorized spark something in me. On Saturday night, I TiVo a Roman Catholic mass in Latin. And I listen for the words of God in Latin because it forces me to listen and think and receive and retain the words of God. And then I pray over and over and over every day, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Why? So that the character of Jesus is being formed in me and you. I'm gonna push now. We have in the last couple of years really tried to emphasize more of the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, because it's foreign to our tradition. But what I'm observing is that's a good thing. But can I say this without being yucky of spirit? May I say this without being yucky of spirit? Not so many of us are actually meet reading, meditating, thinking on the words of Jesus. Psalm 1, the first book of the Psalter, it talks about the one who meditates on his word day and night. The word for meditate is Hagah. So let me give you the word picture for meditate from the Hebrew. It's a lioness that's just killed an animal. And as the lion, can you just, can you see it? The lion resting over it, it begins to lick the fur, to moisten it. And as it licks the fur, it, you, may, you see it starts to salivate. And then it starts to take these bites and the sal saliva just rolls because it is, it, is, it is fixated on what is to come. That's the word for meditate. Blessed is the man, the woman, who meditates on his word day and night. Meaning what? There is a delight in the words, the words of Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about this in John 15. Just let me push. If you don't have the words of Jesus in you, And if you're not asking for the spirit of Jesus to fill you, you cannot bear any fruit of the spirit. And if we're going to flourish in exile, we have to be a people who are so connected to Jesus, remaining in Jesus, that his words are part of us. His spirit is part of us so that something grows from us. So listen now. It's not that you have to become loving. You are loving. It's not that you just become joyful. Joy is in you.
I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks, next week on Joy. I told you when Kirk died, for 14, 15 months, I was just so filled with grief that I just could not, I just, I did not want to, I couldn't praise. I didn't want to praise the Lord. I was broken hearted. But as I reflected back, I noticed something else about me. I didn't have any joy. And as I thought about that, I did not have any words. I didn't have the words of Jesus. And I wasn't asking for the filling of Jesus' spirit. So I was just sad all the time. And a part of me wanted to be sad all the time. But as I keep walking down this road, what I'm seeing is, but it is the words, the filling of the words of Jesus. And the filling of the spirit of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I almost feel guilty saying this. But I am living in joy. And my son is dead. See, joy does not depend on circumstances or feelings. It is a gift of the character of Jesus. And when we are filled with the words of Jesus and we're filling with the spirit of Jesus, what begins to grow in us are things like love and joy and peace. We'll go through the whole thing. So having said that, can I invite you over to John chapter 15? Let me really try to unpack this, 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 this idea of fruit and love and all that stuff together. And I hope you'll come with the Bible, your electronic Bible, something, because I'm going to really go after this the next seven weeks. It just as an aside, for those who are interested, there's the full bibliography of the series at the Welcome Center if you want to see some of the resources the teaching team is using. So I'm going to read chapter 15, 1 through 17, and make some comments as we go. Look for these repeated words. Look for the word remain. Look for Father. Look for love. And look for fruit. John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no, what's the word? Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So bears no fruit. What's the fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And he prunes. Now, remember, remember I told you some years ago when I thought pruning was... As a city kid, you take, take a machete and you just hack the vein, you know, get the stupid branches out of there. But Luann Heatbrink, who was a master gardener, said, oh, no, it's not like that at all. A good gardener has a, has a whatever that's called, <laughs> and lovingly and carefully prunes the branch because the gardener wants what? More fruit. Now, I didn't, I didn't, I forgot this. Can you hold your finger there? Go back to Galatians 5, page 1155. I want to show you one thing. 1155. Stay, keep your finger in there. Galatians 5 and verse 24. I'm going to really emphasize this today and then 
not so much in pre coming weeks. But look at verse 24, Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The word desire there is actually translated over desires. So those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and over desires. Why is that important? Let me just, let me just mess with you a little bit here. How is the character, what, what is our role in becoming like Jesus? Now we can say, well, you know, we gotta do this, gotta do this, and we come back to rules and regulations again. Listen to this. Our task is to crucify the flesh. Our job is to look at our own person and say, what in me is inhibiting the presence and the character of Jesus in my life? So we crucify the over-desires. Remember my sentence? We want to live a cultivated life in a culture, a circus of distractions. What things are causing me to be so distracted that need to be crucified? What things, let me push. Let me, let me, let me, let me, okay, I, <laughs> Let me use the word titillation, but not mean necessarily sexual. Crucify titillation. Are you titillated for online shopping? Are you titillated by attractive men and women? Are you titillated by whatever? Those are the things we have to crucify. The things that are over-desiring, that we long, we just we think about, we fixate them. See, these are the things that we've got to crucify that, why? so that there is space for the fruit to grow, for the character to be formed. There are things that we, we have to choose to get rid of. Now watch this. It's, isn't it fun to walk right along the edge with whatever titillates you? And you don't, you don't, you don't do it but you're kind of thinking about it. You know what I'm talking about? We're close. We're not over the top, but we're close. We have to crucify that. That has to be crucified. Why? Because we want to have space for the character of Jesus to be formed in us. So we crucify, we crucify, crucify stuff. And what I have been so convicted of this week is I just play with my over-desires. I don't think it's a big deal. But it is. Back to John 15. Verse 2. Or 3. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Now look at the verse 4. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. So question. How does this happen? I'm asking you to help me. How do, what does it mean to remain in Jesus, and he remains in us? Help me. Meditate. Good, Connie. Come on. Connie's right. Keep coming. Help me. What does it mean to remain? Yep, way back. Ask him into your life. Not just once, right? Repeatedly. Remember the Holy Spirit thing? Remember class 45 years ago at seminary? Seminary student, arrogant student, picking at Dr. Fuller. Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Because in Romans 5, 18, it's keep on being filled with the Spirit. This arrogant student is kind of pushing Dr. Fuller, and Dr. Fuller just said, because you leak. <laughs> How does it remain? We keep asking, asking. What else? Help me. 
what you fill your mind with. See, if you're living in a circus of distractions, we're just spinning with all the distractive stuff, and some of it's really good, but how much distraction moves us from the place where there is space for Christ to be formed in us? You know, does it, I mean, really, so let me just use me. Does it take the death of a 27-year-old son to wake me up? Is that what it takes? Let me ask, the, that's extreme. How hard do you have to get hit in the head with whatever to make a decision to walk away from all those distractions? What does the scripture say? Be still and know that I am God. Watch this. Those who are watching culture, I'll give you an easy, quick read. Mark Sayers, the church renewed or something like that. He argues that what we're seeing in culture today is an ongoing dissipation, and within 10 years, the culture is absolutely going to implode. It will completely implode. And the carnage and devastation, we're beginning to get glimpses of it now. We're starting to see glimpses of what's coming. If that is true, how critical will it be that you remain in Jesus and Jesus remains in you? So here it is again. Word filling and spirit filling is what leads to fruit bearing. Hear me again. You, please, please, I'll use me. I cannot, I cannot have the character of Jesus where his love, his joy, his peace, his kindness, his, I can't manufacture that. But if I remain in him and he in me, it will happen. So Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's looking at a fig tree that's bearing no fruit. What does he say to the disciples? You will know a tree by its fruit. So if someone followed you, followed me all week long, what fruit would they see? So Galatians 5, 19 through 21 or 22, we look at orgies and stuff like that. We think, well, I'm not really part of that. But you know, envy, slander, all this stuff. It is so easy it is so easy to just live a non-crucified life. While I'm dancing with the devil, I'm walking on the tightrope, and I think I can stay close to Jesus, and I can do this Jesus thing, and I'm not bearing any fruit. So how are we going to positively impact a culture that is rapidly imploding? Only this way. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. Word-filling, spirit-filling, fruit-bearing. Please hear me. We cannot bear fruit, good fruit, on our own. So I'm going to push. I've been saying to myself, for every hour on my, I'm on my phone, I will spend an hour reading the words of Jesus. Why? 
Because I have to crucify something, some over-desires, so that there is space in me for the goodness of the character of Jesus to live, to be formed. And so you can say, oh, Kevin, you're just blowing smoke. You're... All right, let me, let me ask you to do an honest self-evaluation. And just really look at your own heart. What's it like to live with you? What's it like to work with you? What's it like to be on a team with you? It all depends on what fruit are being born. So we had a funeral, just a beautiful, beautiful home going of Harry Harker's um, just recently. It was so interesting to, to listen to Harry. Harry, and I'm not speaking out of school, but, but Harry was a man who was never educated and often felt bad that he couldn't read. And about six years ago, he developed cancer. And he decided he wanted to, he wanted to grow as a Christian. So he came to me and said, I want to learn to pray. I'll tell you about Harry in just a minute. When he was born, he weighed three pounds. He died at 84. So when he was born at three pounds, his mom and dad put him in a shoebox and put him in the oven to keep him warm. So I'm not sure if there were some developmental things that happened to Harry. I don't know at all. But Harry was so down on himself because he was not a reader and all that kind of stuff. But this dude had a heart for Jesus. So we started praying. He said, teach me how to pray. I said, okay. So we started to pray. So if you, you watched, he often came down to find me. We'd be right. And this is how Harry always began his pray, prayers. Oh, what? Oh, what? Had a speech impediments and things. This dude walked with Jesus. He couldn't read, so he asked people to read scripture to him. So can I just, here's my first specific action step. If word filling is important and you're not a reader, have someone read to you. Steve, can I use your example? Your, your, da your dad's dying. Can I talk about that? Steve's dad was dying. Steve and Deb's father was dying, Mr. Kreinbrink. The family would come to his bedside and they would read the things of God to Mr. Kreinbrink as he died. What was interesting, I'm sure it was a blessing to Mr. Kreinbrink. It was a blessing to everyone who read. If you're not a reader, could you listen to the words? Could someone read you the words? Why? Word filling, spirit filling creates fruit bearing. Let's go back to John 15. Watch my time. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'm going to push again. In a religious town where many of us call ourselves Christians, Jesus said, those who are my disciples will bear this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. A question 
So how many disciples of Jesus are in this room? I'm not talking about church attenders. I'm not talking about church members. I'm talking about people who are carrying the character of Jesus. And that's how we flourish in exile. We carry, we bear, we live out of the character of Jesus. Let's go on, next verse, verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So what have we just talked about? Word and spirit. How do you remain in his love? His words, his spirit. Question? How much time on your phone? How much time on your iPad? Or choose whatever social media. How much time? And how much time with Jesus? So if we do your funeral next week and your body's laying right here, do you think we're going to talk about what you posted online? Or what's on Instagram? Or Snapchat? Or whatever? Is that what we're going to talk about? How will you be remembered for what you posted? I told this story a couple years ago. Someone lost her mother in our church family. And all kinds of people expressed sympathy online. She came to see me with tears. She said, these, these wonderful expressions on social media are nice. Listen to this now. Not one person came to see me. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, akapao, to will the good of another. Word filling, spirit filling, fruit bearing. Question? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Let's keep going. Back to the passage. Verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy is complete. Here, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What is this command? Verse 12. Love each other as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you my friends. For everything I learned from my father, I made known to you. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. The word so that, here's the called a purpose clause. Why? That you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So think about that. What did Jesus say? Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Just throw up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So what treasures are you storing up? Let's go back to your funeral. Here you are. I ever tell you a story about, I should tell you the story. Young pastor in California, and the neighbor to my mom and dad owned multiple uh, cleaners in Southern California. And they were very, very wealthy. And there was a ton of hurt in the family. And so at, at, the, at the death a lawyer 
a private investigator, my dad made two clergy, had to go to the reading of the will. That was part of the stipulation of our neighbor. And in the stipulation, it was that my children receive nothing. So a lawyer, an investigator, and two clergy had to watch as all her financial stuff and all her jewelry, and back in the day, her CDs, her casket was full of riches. A special casket was made, Mark, I don't know how they do this, but it had multiple locks on it. And the locks went to the lawyer. And the woman said, not one penny goes to any of my kids. This is one wealthy woman. What did she store up in eternity? Let me go back to my friend Harry. Harry's not a wealthy man. Harry and Marlene are not wealthy people. But one day we were praying. Oh, Lord, could we help the poor moms who need assistance? Amen. So Harry would call me. He'd come by our house. He'd come by the office. He'd have two or $300 in gift, gift cards from a grocery store or from Walmart. And he says, Kevin, I want you to give these away to any young single mom who needs help. Hmm. Lady's got who knows how much money in the ground. What does Harry have in heaven? Love. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How? Word-filling, spirit-filling, fruit-bearing. Chapter 13, go over to chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, and I'll quit with this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What if, if we are in the margins of culture? What if we are known at our workplaces, at the ball game? Speaking of ball games, somebody came to see me who was attending a particular event, and the way the fans were speaking to the coaches and players was very discouraging. So he said, a number of these people I worship with on Sunday mornings, how can they say those things? What should I do? I said, well, you want my opinion? He said, yeah. I said, buy big bags of suckers. <laughs> and pass them out. The more they're sucking on their suckers, they'll stop damning the kids and the coaches. So if you go to a particular school and there's a bunch of people with suckers, <laughs> they're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go to here. It's interesting. 2,000 years ago, Jesus reflected the wonder of love. 
And I'm going to just read a couple things as we think about developing his character because the first Sunday of the year, we want to celebrate his love for us. Listen to these words. Most righteous and holy God, we remember in this sacred meal the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. So listen to these words. I appreciate when I watch our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, I appreciate the praying in Latin over the meal. Let me pray in English over the meal. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which the elders have broken and the cup which has been poured and blessed may to be to every person in this room the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Grant that being joined together in Christ, we may long for and attain to the unity of faith and grow up in all things unto Christ Jesus our Lord. As this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and broken into tiny pieces, and these grapes from many hills into one cup and many little cups, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your eternal kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he gave given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, Jesus took the cup. He changed the liturgy and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. And the cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. I'd like to invite anyone and everyone who has received Christ as Savior and Lord to join us. The elders will serve you consecutively. Please feel the receipt to uh, take the communion as you are able and as you choose. Worship, reflect, and give thanks to the one who loves us so deeply. Elders.